Welcome to Family Bible Hour, a broadcast of the Sunday morning worship services of North Florida Baptist Church in Tallahassee, Florida. Jeremiah 33 and verse 3 is what we're going to look at. Let me start out with a little illustration. I have to admit that I like the adventure of today's global communications to think that I can talk face-to-face with friends on the other side of the world is really an awesome thing. Not long ago, uh, Elijah Soratow, uh, that's the gentleman in the orange shirt, <clears throat> one of our missionaries, he was in my favorite restaurant in Oradia, Romania. And he was there with, in fact, they, they name a dish after me in that, uh, in that restaurant. There's a... Uh, I, I wanted them to learn how to make a lavash as an appetizer, and they didn't know how to make a lavash. And so I, I told them all the ingredients and how to make a lavash, and they make a pretty good lavash. And so now you can go in, and uh, the, the uh, preachers or the, the padres there are called popa, and so you can go in and order popare's lavash. And uh, so, not that I'm the Pope in there, but uh, as close as they're going to get. But anyway, <clears throat> it was in my favorite restaurant. And uh, he was there with some students from Emmanuel University, and he decided that he was going to FaceTime with me. And so I talked to the students for a while, and, and <clears throat> I saw some that I had taught there in Bible classes, and it was good to have a connection with them. And in the background was the former mayor of Oradia. He was currently and is now a senator in the Senate of Romania, and uh, he waved at me uh, in the background. And then I saw him just a few weeks ago in uh, Baltimore, Maryland, and uh, we talked about, we recall that evening and how we had greeted one another and, and how small the world had become. And in fact, <clears throat> when I was working on this uh, sermon, I looked at my watch and I realized that it was dinner time in, uh, in Romania. And so I just FaceTimed my friend in Romania and I thought, well, I'll get a screenshot to show you guys <clears throat> the, the illustration. And uh, there with him, you can see me up in the upper corner, and there with uh, Elijah is Doru Natyuk, uh, my, uh, one of my favorite people there. I tell Elijah that I like him, but I love <clears throat> Doru and uh, Doru Natuk was there, and, and it was just, a, it was just a, an awesome reminder of how communication has become so effective in our world today. I, I have to admit that I'm, I'm into those different kinds of communication. Text messaging, to me, is a, a phenomenal thing. Going about our daily lives, and we remember to ask someone something that we keep forgetting to ask them when we're with them or talking to them on the phone. And so we just quickly shoot them a text on our, our smartphone, and I, I really like that. The ability to communicate through our smartphones has become actually an obsession with a lot of people. For instance, uh, <clears throat> I would encourage you not to look at each other when I say this, but I'm sure that in this service already there has been someone who sent a message to somebody else who is inside of this service right now, and uh, you have communicated. I've seen it happen. I know how it happens. And uh, you're not fooling me, uh, but uh, <clears throat> you, you are sending a message uh, to one another. Hopefully you're saying uh, busted or uh, something like that, but, uh, uh, but it's, it's a big thing. 
In all of this, there is no bigger idea than the reality that we can talk to God. Now that's a big idea. That is really, really huge. And my sermon today is about the big idea of prayer, communicating with God from anywhere at any time with the assurance that we're going to make a connection. Today we've chosen one of my favorite texts. I preach from it many times. This is a yet another message that I have, uh, God has allowed me to, to build from this text, Jeremiah 33 and verse 3. Call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. So there it is, the invitation to pray. The open invitation for you and me to pray. The first mention of prayer in the Bible, as you might expect, is in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 4 and verse 26. To Seth also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. The message today is divided into two very simple uh, subdivisions. The first part of the message will take the longer than the second part of the message, but it's very simply asking and answering. That's the part of prayer. That's what we're going to, the ingredients of prayer that we're going to talk about today. A great old preacher who had some influence in my ministry early in my early ministry used to have a sermon that was very famous and well-known and it was by the the theme of the sermon was the title of the sermon and that is that prayer is asking and he became quite famous for a message by this title and he was famous for other reasons as well but let's just talk about that the asking side of prayer Again from Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 12, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. Now let me say this to you. If you want to find a Christian book uh, you and say, well, I don't know what subject I could really find a, a Christian book on, I can assure you that there are plenty of Christian books on the subject of prayer. <clears throat> there are a lot of books on prayer prayer. And that's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. And the reason there's so many books on prayer is because it's such a big idea. We cannot cover it exhaustively today, but I do want to cover a few things. First of all, let's talk about the need to pray. Why do we need to pray? We have to come to the realization that we need to pray before we pray. Some people never darken the doors of a church because they say, I don't have a need for a church. Some people never read their Bibles because they think, I don't have a need for the Bible, or at least they don't think they have a need for the Bible. Of course, many people never pray because they do not see a need to pray. But there are plenty of reasons to pray. I want to give you just a few. This is not exhaustive. We don't have time to do a book here, a book session in the morning service. So this is just some reasons or some needs to pray. First of all, in times of trouble, we need to pray. Now, all of us know that. We know that when trouble comes, there's obviously a need to pray. Matthew 26 and 41, watch and pray 
that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. That is Jesus talking to the disciples when he asked them to watch and to pray with him in the, uh, <clears throat> at the uh, Garden of Gethsemane. And uh, then in Psalm 50 and verse 15, and call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, you shall glorify me. Now there's all kinds of trouble. Uh, the Bible, uh, Job said that man's days are full of trouble as the sparks fly upward. There's always going to be trouble, and there's <clears throat> going to be all kinds of trouble. But it's like I said uh, in the service on Wednesday night, God always will and can work <clears throat> things out. He just does it that way. When we're in times of temptation, that is trouble, and we should pray during times of temptation. When we're in danger, that is trouble, and we should pray during times of danger. The nature of our trouble is interchangeable. All of us came with a certain measure of trouble to God's house today. Now, we not, may not be laden down with the cares of life, but all of us have a certain degree of trouble in our lives. It's not the same trouble, it's not the same degree of trouble, but all of us have something that was a little bit, that is a little bit or a great bit troubling in our lives. That's just the, the truth. Uh, the presence of trouble is not only, uh, trouble is inter interchangeable, but the presence of trouble is undeniable. All of us are going to have trouble. There's never going to be a life lived that doesn't have trouble. Now, there's going to be something that's going to ruin your day. There's going to be something that's going to uh, upset your life. There's going to be something that's going to cause issues. There's, gonna, there's going to be trouble. I like what Warren Wiersbe used to say. Warren Wiersbe used to say that Christians have cares because Christians care. And that's the truth. If we didn't care, we wouldn't have trouble. You know, some of the things that are going on in other parts of the world doesn't bother some people, do not bother some people at all. But if you care, then the cares that are elsewhere become a care to you. So we have troubles. I was talking to someone the other day about problems with their children. And uh, <clears throat> they were discussing just a little bit problems with their children. And and I made this observation, Here's, and I think this is accurate. And, and this is accurate throughout life. All parents have struggles with their children. But no parent wants to exchange their troubles for those of a friend or a relative. Now you may say, why my child is an adult now, and my child never gave me a minute of trouble. You've just got memory problems. <clears throat> All children are trouble. They are born trouble. They stay trouble. Trouble, 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 trouble. <clears throat> they are trouble. That's why we ought to pray. We ought to pray for our families because of the troubles that come to us. We simply have to learn to pray in times of trouble. You say, so is that what prayer is all about? We're supposed to pray when times of trouble? Well, actually, we pray at other times too. We pray in times of joy. When we're in trouble, we pray. And when we have joy, we pray. Jesus said it like this in John 16, 24. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. 
asking you will receive that your joy may be full. Oh, I like that. It's easy to remember to pray in times of need, but in times of joy, we ought to pray so that our joy will be full or fuller. All of us have heard of a, a kill joy. You know, somebody who's a kill joy, they just suck the joy out of a room. Well, Jesus said prayer is a fill joy. Prayer is, is <clears throat> what makes joy fuller. It'll make it happier. When, when we pray, our joy is fuller than when we do not pray. Don't you think that families <clears throat> who pray at certain times have better experiences than other families? For instance, <clears throat> we've always prayed, uh, in, in our family, we've always prayed before mealtime. I grew up praying that way. <clears throat> my dad, <clears throat> my dad uh, would pray before. I can still remember the beginning of my dad's prayer. My father would pray at mealtime, and he would start <clears throat> like this. Smile on us in mercy. That's the way he began his prayer. Smile on us in mercy. Do you know how an eight-year-old hears that? Smile on us in mercy. That's what I thought. I thought, my goodness, you know, my father's Pentecostal. <clears throat> Smile on us in mercy. And uh, my brothers and I, or my brother and I, will still talk about uh, dad's prayers. I just think that praying together makes the experience of the meal better. doesn't mean that things can't go south during a meal if you prayed at the beginning, but <clears throat> it makes things better. We should pray. We should pray in times of joy. This summer, a lot of you went on vacation with your family. Let me ask you a question. And, and this is a, a good, we have a lot of young families in this church. This is a really good question to ask you. Did you, before you left for that trip, did you stop and in the car or at the house <clears throat> before you took off, did you stop and pray together and thank the Lord for the opportunity that you have to go on this vacation and ask God to give you a, <clears throat> a wonderful time and, and pray before you took the road? Did you ask God to, to give you a good time at Disney or wherever you went? I'll tell you this, I've been on enough vacations to know that the happiest place on earth can be pretty miserable so it's not a bad idea to ask for God's blessings before you spend time with your family. Ask God to bless that time. When are we supposed to pray? Well, we're supposed to pray in times of trouble, and we're supposed to pray in times of joy. In fact, here's the broadest sense. We're supposed to pray at all times. Here's what 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. We should always and forever be in a spirit of prayer. Luke 18 and verse 1, he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. There's so many times of life when, we, when we, prayer is the right thing and, and the best thing. There are times in life perhaps when prayer is the only thing. But we should always remember to pray and not forget to pray. I, I remember years ago, this church, <clears throat> you people here, this church uh, on a certain anniversary or a certain birthday, I can't remember, sent me, your pastor, on what's called the Richard Petty Experience. How many of you know what the Richard Petty Experience is? 
I drove a race car, a NASCAR race car, 16 laps at Daytona International Speedway. I drove it for eight laps, <clears throat> then I came in and uh, got some further instruction, and then I drove it for another eight laps. My total lap speed, including the time to slow down around the curve and, <clears throat> and all of that, but my total uh, average lap speed was 135 miles an hour for 16 laps. My top speed, I hit 153 miles an hour. Now I want to tell you something. I was praying always. <clears throat> I went into a corner one time and you know how you go into this global amnesia thing at some point and you're driving along and then you find yourself 10 miles down the road and say, how did I get here? <clears throat> what have I been doing? You, you know what I'm talking about? It's, I think everybody does that. You just kind of click out and then you click back in and say, oh man, whoa, have I not been paying attention? I actually did that on a curve coming around, you know where Dale Earnhardt got killed? I was coming around that curve, I was on the front side, or the back side of that curve, getting ready to come around the front side, right where he got killed, <clears throat> when I woke up out of whatever that stupor was. And I began to pray out loud. Oh Jesus, make me pay attention. Please make me pay attention. Don't let me go to sleep. Don't let me fog out. <clears throat> we pray at all times. Having the habit of prayer is <clears throat> not just a excuse me, <clears throat> not just a, a daily part of life, but it's a continual part of life. When you're asked to pray for someone, it's a good idea to stop right then and remember them in prayer. I make, I make notes. <clears throat> this morning I wanted to pray for Paul and Patty Collier. Here's the, the uh, order of service that Brother Larry furnishes <clears throat> for me. And at the top I wrote Paul and Patty Collier because I saw today that this was their last day. I saw that on Facebook. <clears throat> this is their last day. And I wrote this. And I wrote on Facebook, I said, we're going to pray for you in our service today. Now, I didn't want to write that on Facebook and then not pray for them. I don't want to promise somebody that I'll pray for them and not pray for them. A lot of times it's good to just <clears throat> stop right there and to pray. Set yourself a reminder to pray. We had a funeral service here on Friday of, of Major Alan Greiner uh, with the Leon County Sheriff's Office, wonderful man. I prayed for Alan at 2.30 every Tuesday and Thursday and had done so for about 18 months. Pray always. <clears throat> Set yourself reminders to pray. So there's the need to pray and then there's the invitation to pray. Our text is very clear. Call to me. <clears throat> I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but do you have a cell number or a, some contact information of somebody pretty impressive? We've got some, we've got some shakers and movers in this church. <clears throat> we've got some people who have been involved with a lot of things. And I'm guessing that you have some cell numbers where you're able to make some private calls to some fairly impressive people. Maybe a celebrity, <clears throat> maybe a... Um, an elected official or the head of a large company, it's kind of a cool thing. It's kind of a cool thing to say, you know what? They gave me their number. I can text them. I can call them. I know where they live. I know how to get to their house. Far bigger than the names that we have written in our little black book 
or on our contact list is the truth that we have direct access to God. And we have an invitation at any time to call on Him. Any time. Add that to your contact list. That would be a cool thing to do, in fact. Add add God to your contact list. And put Jeremiah 33.3 as His number. And set a reminder on that contact list and, and <clears throat> to come up on your smartphone every day at a certain time uh, to call on God <clears throat> because you have his phone number and can call him. Not only do we have the invitation to pray, <clears throat> but Jesus gave us a prayer and he encouraged us to plagiarize it. He said, look, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He said, go ahead and plagiarize this prayer. Now, there are certain things you can't plagiarize, or you're not supposed to if you're going to run for Senate or or the House of Representatives. They're going to catch you, and you'll probably lose your seat, or in any area. But he said, plagiarize this. So we have this big, no, it's not big, it's huge, this huge idea of prayer. And we're invited by God himself to bring our petitions to him. However, we're supposed to do so with an attitude of prayer. When you come to the Lord in prayer, get in the attitude of prayer. We we have to understand who we're talking to. Several years ago, I had the privilege of going to Israel with with a group of pastors and spiritual leaders. And in the course of our visit, we got to meet and meet with Benjamin Netanyahu in a room, in a sit-down room. We met with Benjamin Netanyahu. Now, we had been goofing around, us preachers. We had been picking on each other and playing practical jokes and doing all that kind of thing. But I want to tell you something. When Benjamin Netanyahu came into the room, the atmosphere changed completely. Someone of world stature had just walked into the room and sat down to talk with us. We were so close in in the room that there wasn't even a microphone. He just sat down and we had a room discussion. I thought to myself then, my word, this is different than anything I've ever experienced. Folks, when we come into the presence of God, it's important for us to remember in whose presence we are standing or kneeling. We might like the idea of casual friendships, and calling people who really should be Mr. or Mrs. or brother or doctor or whatever it may be by their first name. But when it comes to God, we're going to have to drop this what's up attitude. Hey, yo, attitude. We're coming into the presence of God, and there should be an appreciation for who we're addressing. There should be an appreciation that we're coming into the presence of a holy God. And if nothing else, pause and collect yourself 
and realize that you're going to speak to God himself. This isn't a text message that you're going to end with LOL. This is a holy God that you're going to address and you're going to close with in Jesus' name. Come into his presence. Have the attitude of prayer. What is the attitude of prayer? Well, first of all, it's consecration. Jeremiah 29, 13 said, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. The Bible says a lot about being double-minded and how it makes us unstable in all of our ways. And it also says that we can't love God and the world from the same heart. And it says to us that when we come to the Lord in prayer, we should seek him with our whole heart. Coming into the presence of God with a single heart for him, undistracted by the world, fixed on speaking to God and getting an answer, that's our attitude of prayer. That should be our attitude of prayer. We're fixed on God. You're going to give us an answer, Lord, and we know that you will, and and we're fixed on you. The attitude of prayer is consecration. It's also conviction. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty four. 24, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. We should come to the Lord with a sense of conviction that God is listening to us, and God is going to give us an answer. We're going to hear from God. In an interview with Fortune magazine, Ted Turner was asked, the statement was made, and then he was asked a question. The interviewer said, I know you were religious up to the point of seeing your sister suffer for five years and die at age 17. You've gone back and forth about whether you're an agnostic. Has your lack of belief that God will save humanity motivated you to feel a a level of responsibility that others don't feel? Turner replied, if God's going to save us, it's time for him to show up. We're not showing evidence that we're ready to save ourselves, and that's what bothers me. But when asked if he considered himself an agnostic today, Turner said, yeah. But then he also had some surprising thoughts on prayer. He said, I say little prayers for my friends who are ill, little short prayers, many prayers. It can't hurt anything. Why should we pray if we do not believe that God is there to hear us? And I'm not, I'm not bashing Ted Turner. I love to eat at his restaurant. And I, I'm, not, I, I'm not being funny. I really do. I love to eat at Ted's. <clears throat> but but, uh, but I, I wish there was an opportunity for Ted Turner to just... <clears throat> Just see a a genuineness in Christianity. And I don't know, you know, God's, Ted is in God's hands. But he does demonstrate kind of an attitude toward prayer today that it's like ceremonial. That it's like good luck. 
It's like knocking on wood or whatever it may be. Well, just in case it helps. That's not how we come to prayer. We should come to prayer with a sense of conviction. This is going to work. God is going to answer me. Our attitude of prayer should be that of consecration and conviction and contrition. The Bible says that we can come boldly to the throne of grace, and I appreciate that. But there's also a sense that we should have our hat in our hand. You remember the old saying, the guy's got his hat in his hand? That that means when he walks in, he kind of walks in like this. We should come boldly before the Lord, but we should come with a sense of, of contrition to him, of knowing who he is and who we are. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has, the great, uh, has great power as it is working. Coming before the Lord as sinful people, confessing our sinful ways, helps us to find the ear of a holy God. There's some people who say, I, I'm ashamed to pray. I've just done so wrong. I've been so far from God. I'm just ashamed to pray. No, no, no. You're in the right spot to pray. When you are ashamed of yourself and you're ashamed to pray, that's the time to come to the Lord and say, God, I believe in you, and I believe you answer prayer, and I believe that you're there, and I believe you're a holy God, and I'm ashamed of myself. I'm ashamed of my attitude. I'm ashamed of my actions. I'm just ashamed, and I have stepped down off my high horse, and I am sorry for who I am. Would you please hear me knowing who I am and how awful I've been? Pastor Ray, is that the way we should pray? Well, let me give you an example from the Bible. Jesus gave this example himself in Luke 18.10. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. Now contrast that to this. But the tax collector standing afar off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven. You know what it is? He had his hat in his hand. Would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself shall be humbled, but the one who humbles himself shall be exhausted. Prayer, uh, exalted, prayer is a big idea. The big idea is that we can pray. We can go to God and we can ask God whatever we wish. We can pray. Not only that, but we have every reason to believe that God has given us or will give an answer. In fact, that's the second part of the message, the asking and the answering. Again, in Jeremiah 33 and 3, call to me and I will answer you. Could we say that together? 
Call to me and I will answer you. Let's say it one more time and say it good and loud. Call to me and I will answer you. Now that's in the word of God. Jeremiah says that's the invitation from God and that's the assurance of God. If you'll call me, I will answer. Here's what that is. It's a promise of an answer. If we call, he will answer. It's just that real. Matthew 7, 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. You mean if I ask God, I'm going to get the answer that I like? Maybe not, but you're going to get an answer. See, that's where we kind of mess up. We want to direct God instead of asking God to direct us. Do we have the right to pray what we wish? Yes, we have the right to pray what we wish. But then we need to hear his answer because we might find out that what we wish was not his answer. I I remember this little four-line poem so very long ago. Remember when you pray to God, the answers are but three. Yes or no or wait a while except whate'er they be. When your children come to you and they ask, they get one of three answers, yes or no, or wait a while. If you answer them, you're going to give them an answer, and God will most definitely give us an answer to our prayer. Not only does God give us an answer, a promise of an answer, but he also surprises us with the answer. He gives us a surprising answer. This is my favorite part of Jeremiah 33.3. Call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and hidden things that you've not known. God promises to surprise us and I love that. I love the fact that God has the capacity to continually surprise us with his answer. The sweetest Christian lady who has been praying forever and has been seeing God answer her prayers. The beautiful thing about prayer is that that sweet little Christian lady is as excited over a new answer to prayer as she was over the first answer to prayer. And the reason is because God makes prayer work like that. It's a continual surprise in prayer. God's answer to prayer never goes stale. Never. You know how you watch a ball game that they, <clears throat> I guess they do this a lot, they'll, they'll show old ball games on television, especially football championship games and so forth. And, and I, I guess there's a certain amount of, of enjoyment out of that or they wouldn't show it because, you know, they have to have ratings, but, but <clears throat> I don't, I just don't get that much joy out of watching the championship game the second time. I just don't. Yeah, yeah, I know, they're going to catch the ball. I know what's going to happen here. It's, you know, they're going to try and kick a field goal, and, and it's too long, and there's going to be a guy from Auburn waiting back in the uh, end zone. 
and he's going to take the ball and he's going to run it. Actually, I could watch that a zillion times. I, uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <clears throat> but you, you understand what I mean. Yeah, yeah, I know. I've seen it. No, no. God always surprises us with prayer. Here's a gem from the, New Test- uh, the Old Testament that you really <clears throat> ought to write down. If you, if you haven't been following along uh, the outline on your iPad or smartphone, you need to write this down. <clears throat> Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases and His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Every morning. Every single morning. Well, it's same old, same old. Oh, no. Not when you pray and you live in the mercies of God. They're new every morning. Let me ask you. How big is the big idea of prayer in your life? He's given to us, each of us, an open invitation to pray and a promise to answer. Why then do we not pray? Why then do we not go to the Lord as much as the invitation indicates that we should? And why do not we pray believing? And why then do we not look for God's answer to prayer? And why do we not rejoice when his answer comes? Why do not we pray in times of need and in times of joy and at all times? Why don't we pray? As good as the Christian life is, it would be much better if we got the big out of the big idea. You've been listening to the Family Bible Hour, a broadcast ministry of North Florida Baptist Church in Tallahassee, Florida. You can visit us at North Florida Baptist Church, 3000 North Meridian Road, Tallahassee, Florida, 32312. Visit us online at nflchurch.com. Dr. Ray invites you to join him next week for the Family Bible Hour.